All right, so I know some of you think that I must have written this lesson come uh, Wednesday morning uh, after the election. <laughs> and I did not. Uh, I write most of my lessons during the summer, uh, and then I, uh, I basically log them in my, in my schedule. We're going to take a, a, a hiatus from the Gospel of John for a while. Uh, this week I'm going to do this lesson on worry and anxiety and fear. Next week, and for about the next seven, I'm going to do the prophecies of Daniel. So if you're listening online, uh, you'll be able to connect with us on that. But here's the point of this, of this lesson. Uh, as I studied this and prepared for this, I learned that there are 40 million people in the United States who suffer from some sort of anxiety disease. 40 million uh, and what that means is that the average person has 70,000 thoughts a day. 70,000 thoughts a day. Now, it's okay to have 70,000 thoughts. God doesn't want you to have a lobotomy. God doesn't want you to just w walk around and have, 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 have no meaningful thoughts in your mind. But what happens when these, these thoughts uh, become anxiety and then become fears? and then obstruct your life. Can you really walk with the Lord? Can you be the kind of triumphant Christian that God wants you to be when you are weighed down by this overbearing fear and anxiety? And this covers all of us. All of us have in some way some type of anxiety, but God wants us to handle it in a certain way. Okay, and this week is a perfect example. So you're, you're concerned about the election. You're really worried about the election. Now you stay up. Tuesday night, and okay, for many of you, I, I try to be non-political, but I know who I'm dealing with here. For many of you, many of you, you got Tuesday, uh, Wednesday morning, you were pretty happy. You are pretty happy. You saved, you saved Florida, right? You saved Florida. Uh, you still have the Senate. By the way, I'm speaking for you now. I don't want people to think I'm a political person. <laughs> but, but here's the point. What happened, like... 36 hours later, my son calls me up. They just found 75,000 votes in my county. You know, they found it in somebody's trunk, all right? They found it in somebody's trunk. So now what happens? Now you were at peace, right? We were worried. We had Wednesday morning. Now all of a sudden what? Whoa, I'm back worrying. Oh, God, what's going to happen? All right? That's why this lesson is critically important. You can't go through your life like this, up and down and in, in wave after wave and being paralyzed by fear. So we're going to show you, honestly, we're going to show you what the Bible says, how to deal with this. And by the way, I reckon, I'm not saying that there aren't some people who are so profoundly ill that they don't need medication. I'm not saying that. This is not about taking your medication and throwing it away. Rather, what this is, is to give you a foundational precept to understand this is what God says. This is how God wants you to evaluate this. And this is how you are to live your, your life. So one of the first places that I, I cited was Proverbs 29. Let's take a look at Proverbs 29. And you're going to get a workout in your Bible today. Proverbs 29, verse 25. I had a brain aneurysm and I couldn't find it. Proverbs 29 verse 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. All right. Fear 
It's a snare. Fear is an obstacle. Fear will weigh you down, but trusting in God, trusting in God uh, will allow you to get through. And you know that I've always said to you that one of my foundational verses is Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. If you're a Christian, if you're called by God, if you're walking in his ways. So what does that mean? Even in the midst of some horrible things, even in the midst of oppressive things, even in the midst of your mind being weighed down, you have to remember that all things work together for good, even if you don't understand it, but you trust in God. You've prayed about it. You've put it before the Lord. And so here's the thing. We don't trust God to handle it right. Isn't that what this is about? I know, God, I've prayed about it, but, you know, I still have to worry because I'm not really sure you can handle this all the way. And after all, my worrying is really going to fix this. I'm just going to worry my way to fixing this problem. And, of course, you recognize that none of that is true. So one of the principal uh, texts in Scripture about this is where Jesus speaks to us in Luke chapter 12. Let's turn to that. And, and it's amazing that Jesus is speaking to his flock about these issues. Now, in many ways, they had, look, we're going to start with verse 22. In many ways, they had more considerable things to worry about than you do, okay? Because they had to worry about how they were going to eat. Because they didn't know for sure how they were going to eat, all right? They had to worry about surviving because they didn't know for sure how they were going to survive. They were living in a hostile territory controlled by the Romans. Uh, they could be imprisoned at the drop of a hat. They had legitimate issues to worry about as contrasted to some of the things that we worry about in our lives. Uh, and I want you to see how Jesus speaks to his, his flock about this. Verse 22, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. But by the way, look at the things that Jesus focuses on. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about your clothing, because those things were considerable issues back then. Now, you know, in many ways, we have a, a, a whole slew of different issues, but Jesus is focusing on this for us. Stop worrying. Uh, continuing on, life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you who, uh, than are the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And let's focus right there on what he's just said. Look at the birds. God takes care of the birds. He puts them out there and they survive. They live their lives. God takes care of them. And you, you're worrying. How many of you by worrying could add one hour to your life? And here's the thing. Oh, I got a bad health diagnosis. I'm concerned about that. I'm really concerned. Well, here's the thing. You give it up to God. You say, Lord, I'm in, your, I'm in your hands, Lord. In your perfect will. That's why when we pray, we always finish up, Lord, in your will. All right? I want to be in your will because I recognize that if I'm in your will, you'll heal me if it's in your will, or you'll call me home if it's in your will. But all things considered, it will be in your will. 
And then you say in your will and you bow to that, then you give it up to the Lord. You don't sit and ruminate and fret and fear and have that growing and growing and growing, metastasizing in your body. That's what this is about. God is teaching us here how he wants us to live. 27, verse 27, consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And that's what this is about. It's about a lack of faith. We fail to understand faithfully what God is doing for us. He's taking care of us. Now, here's the thing. You're Christians. You've given your heart to God. You've pledged your allegiance to God. You have now given your heart to him in every way. When you do that, there's a covenant. He takes care of you. He doesn't make this same covenant to those people who are out in the world who are not his children. But to you, he does. He will take care of you in every way. And this is a, a, a concern that we as Christians have. I've seen so many Christians overburdened with this and, and yet not recognize, faithfully not recognize what Jesus has promised us, how God will take care of you. So here's the lesson. It's not a sin to have a worry. It's not a sin to be momentarily anxious, but it is against the will of God to take that and percolate it, and grow it, and be in your heart day after day after day. Uh, and, and why? Because you're not stepping out in faith with the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, this becomes key. You're not stepping out in faith in the Lord. You cannot be a triumphant Christian. You cannot, really. I mean, it's like some people, you know, ever see some people that you're afraid to ask, well, how you doing? How's things are going? Whoa. I really wasn't prepared for that, you know? And yet you see some really devout Christians who are hurting bad, and you'll say to them, how are you doing? They'll go, thank God. Right? Thank God we talked about this. Thank God. All right, what's the difference? The difference is the one person is ruminated uh, on, on their own personal issues to the point where anxiety has killed them, and the other person has put it to the Lord. And trust the Lord to take care of them. All right? This is a critical thing for us. Look, these times are dark. There's going to be darker days coming. Make no mistake about it. You can't open a newspaper. You can't watch television. I know so many of you love Fox News. I know you do. I warned you uh, at, at election time, you're better off turning this off. Really, because nothing good comes in. Nothing good comes in. How many people died today? Oh, not too bad. Only 25 in California, you know? And then you, you, know, you think you're momentarily happy about the election, and then they find 70,000, 5,000 ballots in somebody's trunk, and you go, oh, no, no, no. Instead saying, Lord, you're in charge. You're in charge. Whatever you want for this state, you'll take care of it. If this is something we have to go through, then we'll go through it. I'm going to give myself to you, Lord. I'm not going to worry about all these other issues. I trust you, Father. I trust you. You love me more than I can ever understand. And so this is what it's about, understanding this. And so here, here he is, as Jesus says here, oh, you of little faith, and, and do not set your heart 
on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagans, the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Well, what does that mean? It means don't become obsessed about the stock market. All right? Don't become obsessed about your portfolio or about your retirement or about your bank account to the point where, you know, every up and down of the vicissitudes of the market, uh, you're, you're, you're pissed against the wall and you're thrown against the floor. You can barely walk around because you're being buffeted. Instead, what you say, Father, I give it to you, Lord. Give me the wisdom to know what I should do, to handle things the way you want me to do, and to trust you. This is a critical lesson. Uh, uh, and, and just a, a couple more verses here that I want to read. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. How's that? You got it? Is that good enough for you? He's given you the kingdom. You're worried about 100 shares in AT&T. And he's given you the kingdom. All right? I love what he says next. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Pro provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. By the way, there are people that have asked me, did Jesus ever speak about tithing? And I would say to you folks, uh, I'd say Jesus has a one-up tithing. All right. This is not tithing. Basically, Jesus said, sell what you have. Give what you have. Make sure you understand whatever you have is God's. Now, look, we don't translate this to mean you've got to go out and sell everything and move out on the curb. All right. But it means don't have a heart so that you are enthralled. You are enthralled with all of your possessions and the rest of your life is all about what can I do to keep my possessions? How can I accumulate more and more and more? And you've lost sight of the fact that God has already given you the kingdom. He's given you the kingdom. So let's face it. What are you going to be here? Another 10, 15, 20, 25 years? I mean, really, whatever it is, it's a, it's a minuscule particle of time. But at the end, you're going to heaven, all right? And there's the kingdom, and he's got a tremendous place for you waiting there, all right? It's yours. It already has your name on it, all right? So don't get obsessed about all this stuff, uh, and, and really, it drags you down. It destroys your life, and more importantly, you cannot walk a Christian life. Because who wants to see some Christian walking like this? Oh, it's hard. Oh, oh, it's hard. You don't know how hard it is. Instead, you should be like this. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Whatever it is, Father, I know you've got me covered. Yes, I know I have health issues. Yes, I have problems in my family. I wish things were better, but I've given it to you, Lord. I'm walking with you. Can't you wait to come here Sunday morning? This is what God has given you. Look around you. This is the gift of God, all right? None of you would ever think you would be part of a group like this. I'll start right now telling you that. I never thought I would be part of this, but God has given us this. He's given us people that love you and care for you and will pray for you. So understand this so that you, you really will grow. I want you to see what David said. Here's a guy who had legitimate issues about anxiety and fear. Why? Because Saul was trying to kill him for 15 years. All right, you like that? 
There's a guy trying to kill you for 15 years. Man, maybe you got a right to have a little anxiety. <laughs> right? Maybe you got a right to be a little fearful. And you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, a spear flies by his head. All right? You know that story. Turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And by the way, this is a lesson you should share with people. You can send the videos to other people because I think there's a world out there that needs to hear this message. Psalm 34, verse 4. This is a psalm of David. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. You, David? You? You killed Goliath? You have fears? Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. There you go. There's, there's a testimony of a guy who says, when you call on the Lord, your face becomes radiant as he reaches out to restore you uh, in so positive a way. I want you to see what Paul says about this issue. Turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we may not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead, continuing on with verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us on him. We have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. His very life was jeopardized. He sat there between life and death as he working, worked for God. And yet what? He had the hope of God that God would deliver him. Uh, I, want, I pulled out this verse that I want to read to you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. So when you're having a hard day, I want you to read this. Things are rough. All right? Things are not going so well. I want you to think about the man who, who had the meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus, who was struck down from that horse. When Jesus appears and calls him, to basically be an apostle to the Gentile world and says to him, I will show you how many things you must suffer for me. And I want you to see what he says here about his life and yet how he endured with hope. Look at verse 24. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times. I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern 
for all the churches who is weak and I do not feel weak, who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn. I must, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. So all in all, Paul, how's it going? How's it going? Are you feeling a little anxious? When I read this, you know what it makes me do? It makes me be ashamed. It makes me be ashamed that the minuscule things of my life have caused me to have anxiety, to be disturbed. And when I see this great man who is overburdened by some of the greatest obstacles in the history of the world where his entire missionary life, he was pursued by evil. And yet God lifted him up and God protected him. So here's the lesson for you. Just as God protected him and, and brought him a glorious Christian walk, God will do the same thing for us. He will not abandon us. He will not, he will not leave us alone. The key is this. You need to develop a regular prayer life with God. All right? You want to understand what it takes? You need to daily speak to God. And I'm not talking about, you know, you get out of bed and you kneel down at the bed and then you get up. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about the heartfelt communication with your father. And I say to you a hundred times a day, maybe it's a thousand times a day. It means that every hour of the day as you walk, you're constantly speaking to him. Lord, help me. Lord, illumine me. Lord, direct my paths. What should I do? Where should I go? Who should I be involved with? Every moment of the day. And if you're not doing that, then you can't have a successful Christian walk. I can't emphasize this enough to you. You just have to be walking with Jesus and praying with Jesus in your car. I don't care. You, right now, you should be praying to God. Right now, and you should be saying, Lord, reveal this. Touch my heart. Let me know what issues I have in my heart. Let this message percolate in me, Lord. I know this is you speaking to me. What do you want me to do? And you speak to God like that. That's the kind of speaking that God wants. And you recognize when you see the lessons that we studied with Jesus on the cross, what was he doing? He was thinking about Psalm 22. He was thinking about scripture. And so that's what this is about also. I want you to think about scripture, verses that I've given you, verses that should percolate in your heart. Oh, look what Paul suffered, Lord. Oh, mine is so minor next to that, Lord. I need, I need to engraft you on my heart. And here's the promise I have for you. As you do this, the more you pray, the more you speak, the more you cite scripture, you will be lifted up because you will not be reflecting on your own poor self. You'll be reflecting on what God is doing for you. And when you recognize, I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm giving you the kingdom. Lord, you've given me the kingdom and I'm here sitting worried about a stupid election. When you've given me the kingdom, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Let me recognize that in every aspect of my life, you are in control. Uh, I mean, this is a critical thing. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do I guard my heart? How do I guard my thoughts? I guard my hearts and my thoughts by praying and thanksgiving to Jesus and to God by praying to God in thanksgiving for what he has done, how he has restored me, how he has protected me. I am guarding my thoughts. This becomes a, a very important issue. Learning to guard your, your hearts and thoughts. Look, it's not a sin to have an anxious moment. It's not a sin to be worried. But once it goes from a momentary issue to day after day after day, and it metastasizes in your life, now you're outside the will of God. And so God tells you to take those thoughts and make them captive. Give them up to Jesus. Lord, please deliver me from this. I believe you, Father. Give me the strength of faith to understand what I need to see. Look also at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's a case of humility. All right? Some of us aren't humble enough. Oh, I can take care of this. Oh, I know. If I can just, if I can just worry enough and think about it, I know I can worry myself right through this. I know I can think myself right through this. I'm smart. I can get through this. I'll find a way. No, you cannot. Humble yourself before God and say, Father, I can't do this. I can't handle this. I give it to you, Lord. I'm going to make these thoughts captive to you uh, in such a, uh, a powerful way. Take a look at 2 Corinthians, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And that's what we're talking about here. We need to demolish strongholds. And what's, str what's a stronghold? A thought, an anxiety that is percolated in your heart. Verse five, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. What does it mean? We make every thought, every thought captive to Christ. He's given you the authority and the power to demolish these strongholds. Yes, there are strongholds. Yes, Satan would like nothing better than to have you metastasizing this in your mind and having it growing and growing and growing. I know you're concerned about your kids. I know you're concerned about your health. I know you're concerned about your finances. But do you think you're more concerned than he is? He holds you like this in the palm of his hand. Not a hair of your head is going to fall that he doesn't so decree. All things work together for good for you because you love the Lord and are called by the Lord. Give him the power in your life. Give him the authority in your life. Turn it over to him. Let him have captivity of these thoughts and walk out of here today vowing that this will be the first day of the rest of your life. Amen? Amen.
Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for these words. Lord, I ask you to give us strength to do this, to give our thoughts to you, to make them captive in every way, Lord, so that we are not burdened by these strongholds, but instead, Lord, trust you and have faith in you that you will take us, that you will lift us up, that you will cause us to have the kind of life that you want us to have. You've given us the kingdom now. Let us leave here believing that you have so done that. Bless our people, protect them this week, and bring them back safely next week. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.